Hello and welcome to the Insert Coin Theater podcast. What you're going to hear this episode is the third chapter or second installment of the History of Games series. And this will be the third chapter of the Bungie Inc. series. So if you are just tuning in to the History of Games series, please go to episode six of the ICT podcast and listen to that before you listen to this. Otherwise, you're going to be coming in literally at the middle. This is going to be a five chapter series, probably broken into three total parts. So please make sure that you listen to episode six before you listen to this one. Thank you, and I hope you very much enjoy. Would you kindly pound your phrase? The History of Games with Tim Hosey. War. War never changes. I met you at the Torre da Firenze. I'm here to rescue you. Still a barrel roll! What is better, to be born good or to overcome your evil nature through great effort? The right man in the wrong place can make all the difference in the world. A man chooses. Stay a while and listen. A mere seven weeks after Marathon Infinity was released to the public, Bungie announced its next project, a fantasy-themed, sub-genre-defining game called Myth, The Fallen Lords. Classed as a real-time tactics game, it fell into the main genre of real-time strategy, but the RTT label helped differentiate the game as it broke the mold in many ways. To be specific, a real-time tactics game does not have the resource micromanagement that a typical real-time strategy game has, focusing more on combat and tactics than the slow buildup of bases and armies, enabling an almost instant jump into combat with pre-built armies granted to the player at the beginning of each level. The development of Myth began in January of 1996. According to an article in 1998 on Gamasutra, the project started with, quote, four programmers, two artists, and a product manager. Midway through development, one programmer dropped out and an artist was added, end quote. The audio and cutscenes were done outside of Bungie, and the project's interface artwork was commissioned from outside artists. 1996 is also notable for Bungie as it introduced Marty O'Donnell to the mix of Bungie's creative talent. According to Bungie's history on halo.bungie.net, O'Donnell had this to say about his first job with the company. Quote, Late 96, I was working on audio for my first game project, Riven and I dropped an email to Bungie to let them know I was available if they needed me. Tunser Dennis answered my inquiry and had me come over to meet the guys. I started working on sound design for Myth, The Fallen Lords, soon after that. Originally, that game wasn't going to have narration or music, but I changed their minds. End quote. The game's development was about two years in the making. The bulk of the first year is where creation of the network and multiplayer gameplay took place. After that, it was setting up the single-player campaign, improving levels, and working on Bungie.net, which, like Blizzard's Battle.net service, was the online play portal for the game. The story of Myth starts with the player being plunged into the 17th year of humanity's losing struggle against the Fallen Lords. 
In a time long past, the armies of the dark came again into the lands of men. Their leaders became known as the Fallen Lords, and their terrible sorcery was without equal in the West. In 30 years, they reduced the civilized nations to carrion and ash, until the free city of Madrigal alone defied them. An army gathered there, and a desperate battle was joined against the Fallen. Heroes were born in the fire and bloodshed of the wars which followed, and their names and deeds will never be forgotten. And what you just heard was the audio from the intro of Myth, The Fallen Lords. The game received generally favorable reviews, receiving praise for its visuals and deep story. Its main negative points were camera issues and the overall difficulty, even on the easiest setting, with one reviewer saying, quote, Experienced gamers will certainly get their money's worth out of this one, but novices should run screaming, end quote. Programmer Jason Regier had this to say about the game, quote, It doesn't take 50 people to create a major cross-platform software title, period. Bungie Software has barely half that number of employees in the entire company, and we not only develop all our games, but publish and distribute them as well. Macintosh and PC versions of Myth, all our internal tools, and our online service were essentially developed by only six people, and everything shipped on time with no major glitches. There's no big quality assurance department here at Bungie. The public did our testing for us, and we listened to them as seriously as if they were co-workers on the project. We didn't hire any game designers, writers, or level designers to come up with our game concept and storyline. Myth truly is the combined vision of our team, and each of us feels that it was our game. We came to work each day excited about the project, and we're damn proud of what we managed to create. End quote. The game was said to be a two-year labor of love, and that supportive feedback from their beta testers and the previews being released about the game kept the team motivated and energized. It paid off. The game released on Mac and PC in November 1997, selling over 350,000 copies worldwide before the end of the year. The game cost around $2 million to produce and market, and it netted the company around $14 million. The game received a Game of the Year award from Computer Games Strategy Plus and Macworld, Real-Time Strategy Game of the Year from PC Gamer, and Strategy Game of the Year from Computer Gaming World. The game was also listed on Time's all-time 100 Greatest Video Games list in 2012. In 1997... Bungie released a definitive collection of the three Marathon games, along with user-built mods and levels. This was called the Marathon Action Pack, released to signal the end of the Marathon canon being produced. 1997 also saw the expansion of Bungie into a second studio to produce new IPs near San Jose, California. The studio was called Bungie West. Development for a new IP began to take place immediately at Bungie West. An anime-inspired action-adventure title heavily influenced by the anime Ghost in the Shell. Oni was a third-person action-adventure combat title with gunplay and an ambitious melee component to set it apart from the competition alongside many other features, such as rigid body physics, multiplayer, an anime style, and destructible environments, to name a few. In an early positioning document, the game's competition included Tomb Raider 3, Max Payne, Unreal, and Prince of Persia 3D. In the same document, Oni is positioned as, quote, the only third-person game in the near future aiming directly at the action crowd without incorporating substantial puzzle or exploration elements, end quote. In May of 1998, 
Less than a year after the first Myth game was released, Myth 2 Soulblighter was announced as a new game to be released later that year. This presented an extremely limited time frame for development, resulting in the game missing its initial November 1st ship date. According to Bill Mahin of the Chicago Reader, no one in the company seemed to be upset about this initial release date miss, even if it did mean potential penalties from dealers and distributors and overall cash flow problems. For the first six months of development of Myth 2, the game had only Jason Regier, and he loved being the sole programmer on the game. But before long, the hours spent took their toll. Regier began feeling like he was, quote, in here all the time for as long as I can remember, end quote. By the following February, artist Mark Bernal spent 10 to 12 hours a day in the office, basically making it his home. By April, the crunch had grown into a seven-day-a-week affair, with Myth 2 becoming what Bernal referred to as, quote, my whole life, end quote. To set Myth 2 apart and make it an amazing experience, the team added new enhancements, including more animation types and fire. They were adding new mechanics and improving the AI with random actions from triggers to give players different and more unpredictable responses to their actions. This, plus a lot of other new features and enhancements added to the game over the first century in the series, created everything necessary to push back the ship date. Missing the advertised release date could be disastrous for a game, however, so even though the ship date was missed, the company would still have to put everything they had into making the next date for their dealers and distributors, as well as their fans. Alex Seropian puts it this way, quote, The way to make something a hit is to make that day as big as possible. I've got this theory. I call it core marketing. Treat the customer base as vectors for disease. The disease in this case being something good a positive impression of the game. You're trying to spread it to everybody in the world. The larger the contagion is the first day, the wider and deeper it's going to spread. The goal is to infect everybody. If we get them all primed and ready to explode, and we don't get the product delivered, not working right, that kills the momentum. The game missed the release target, which was in time for the Christmas sales rush. But even a December 13th ship date seemed out of the question, as there was still work being completed on the game. The game finally saw release on December 28, 1998. The game launched to favorable reviews, receiving accolades for its improvements and enhancements in visuals, gameplay design, and just about every other major area. Michael E. Ryan from GameSpot said that the game was, quote, about as good as a computer game can possibly be, end quote, and that the game improved on the first in every way. He also said of Myth 2, quote, the end result is one of the best games to be released this year, end quote. Calvin Hubble of Game Revolution called the game, quote, both one of the best sequels to hit the scene and one of the finest titles on the RTS market, end quote. He hailed the game, stating that it has, quote, some of the most creative and immersive environments in the industry, end quote. CNET Game Center praised Myth 2 and named it the best Macintosh game of 1999. The game finalized for Computer Games Strategy Plus's Real-Time Strategy Game of the Year Award in 1998, but lost out to Blizzard's StarCraft. Oni was originally targeted for release in the fourth quarter of 1999, but this was moved and rumored to see release in March 2001. This was, however, unconfirmed, as Bungie hesitated to set fixed release dates to avoid pushbacks and disappointments, much like seen with Myth 2. This also followed alongside Blizzard's it-will-be-released-when-it's-done mentality that they followed for many years. Alongside this, the Oni Galore Wiki theorizes that staff turnover and development difficulties at Bungie West 
may have been a contributing factor to the delays in release. In 1999, Bungie partnered with and sold 19.9% of the company to Take-Two Interactive, which enabled Bungie to retain control over their products and development. This may also be another contributor to the delay of Oni's release, as a rumored PS2 port was announced in cooperation with Take-Two. This would add a significant amount of work to get a PS2 port available to launch in tandem with the PC and Mac release. On July 21, 1999, Bungie, alongside Steve Jobs, announced a new and upcoming title for the Mac OS entitled Halo at Macworld Expo. Initially, the idea was to create a real-time strategy like Myth, but in a sci-fi setting. However, it later evolved into a third-person action shooter game featuring a unique universe, stunning visuals, lots of weapons and vehicles to play with, and the promise of single and multiplayer game modes. On June 19, 2000, Microsoft announced that it had acquired Bungie Studios, turning Halo from a Mac OS and possible PC release into an Xbox exclusive to show off the new hardware as Microsoft entered the console war for living room superiority against Sony and Nintendo. Microsoft intended to utilize Bungie as a studio to lead the way in their next-generation console development efforts in the Microsoft game division. Jason Jones shared some of his thoughts on the deal, recalling, quote, I don't remember the details exactly. It was all a blur. We'd been talking to people for years and years, before we even published Marathon. Activision made a serious offer. But the chance to work on Xbox, the chance to work with a company that took the game seriously, before that we worried we'd get bought by someone who just wanted Mac ports or didn't have a clue, end quote. During this acquisition, Take-Two kept the rights to the Oni and Myth IPs in the deal. According to Wikipedia, since Bungie's employees were either moving to Microsoft's HQ in Redmond, Washington, or leaving the company entirely, the remaining development on the game had to be completed in a hurry. This caused the developers to drop the multiplayer mode entirely. Bungie West closed sometime after the acquisition was announced. In response to the Microsoft acquisition news, Bungie posted a letter to their fans on their website circa June 2000. Quote, Dear fans, Bungie began as the two of us in a basement, duplicating 800k diskettes, shrink-wrapping Minotaur boxes by hand, and selling games at trade shows and through a P.O. box. What drove us then drives us now, to make the games we want to make on our own terms and in our own way. Holding true to this vision allowed us to create the Marathon and Myth series, and has now led us to Redmond to work closely with the Xbox development team. Oni will ship for the PC, Mac, and PlayStation 2 later this year. We have yet to decide when and for which platforms Halo will ship. We owe our continuing success to the dedication and loyalty of the people that work here and our fans. We thank you all for that. Our goal has always been to create the best games, and make it fun for our fans and ourselves. Nothing about this deal changes that. At Microsoft, we'll set up as the Bungie Studio, sort of a mini-company within Microsoft. It's our job to preserve our personality and culture. With the might of Microsoft's testing, distribution, and other vast resources, we'll lead the way on Xbox while holding true to our original vision. We're diving into this with our eyes wide open, and are eager to make it succeed. The last seven years have been a real blast. We hope you'll join us for the next seven, after which we'll blow up the world. Alex and Jason. End quote. Halo was to become a first-person shooter that highlighted the Xbox's power and provided a consistent experience to all who played it. 
as everyone who enjoyed the game would be on the same hardware with the same controller. The online multiplayer component would be dropped entirely due to Microsoft's Xbox Live service not being ready at the time, turning it into a LAN-capable system supporting up to four Xbox systems and 16 concurrent players. The tagline, Combat Evolved, was added by Microsoft marketing representatives in an attempt to help customers distinguish that Halo is a combat action game to diffuse any confusion that may have been caused by the title Halo alone. If you're unfamiliar with the game's general plot, it features the titular Halo Ring World where the Master Chief, the game's protagonist, crash lands. With the help of the AI Cortana, he fights his way through the murderous alien Covenant to try to escape. Interestingly, Oni released less than a year before Halo Combat Evolved was to release. The game dropped in North America in January of 2001 to average and above average reviews, and only 50,000 copies had sold by October of that year. Many players were sore that the game had dropped its multiplayer and some content, including enemies and equipment, causing market hesitance and in essence tanking the game's overall appeal and sales. The game built a cult following and still has those who revere the game to this day. Halo Combat Evolve released with the Xbox console on November 15, 2001, kicking off a series with a following that many shooter franchises could only wish to aspire to. The ICT Podcast and History of Games is written and produced by me, Tim Hosey. Insert Coin Theater is more than a podcast. It's also live streams four days a week at Mixer.com slash Insert Coin Theater. But above that, it's also a vibrant and inclusive community on Discord at discord.gg slash ICT. If you'd like to support my efforts monetarily and help my content creation efforts become a full-time gig, please consider pledging on the Insert Coin Theater Patreon page at patreon.com slash ICT. I'd like to give a huge thanks to Andy B, our Arcade Master level supporter, and our three other Patreon supporters for helping keep this podcast alive and kicking. If you're unable to support monetarily, please consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. The positive reviews will help bring new listeners to the podcast and will help the show grow in a meaningful way. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or wish to connect with me, please visit on Twitter at twitter.com slash insertcointim on Facebook at fb.gg slash insertcointheater, or on Instagram at instagram.com slash insertcointheater. My DMs on Twitter and Discord are always open, and you can reach me on Discord by DMing insertcointheater hashtag 6969. No spaces. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.